It's time for another edition of Dome and Domer, the only podcast for Notre Dame fans by Notre Dame fans. If you're looking for cogent analysis and unbiased opinions backed by careful reporting, you've come to the wrong place. For the next 20 minutes or so, you'll get a fan's perspective on the Fighting Irish without all the normal spin from the so-called professional analysts. It's Dome and Domer. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Brammer and Ed Jordanic. Hello, Irish fans, and welcome to another edition of Dome and Domer as we enter our 17th year for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, you know, gotta, I got to believe we're the oldest on the, on the planet. Who else was doing... Notre Dame football podcast before 2006. So I'm not going to argue we're the best. We're just the oldest. Podcasting wasn't even really a thing back then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There, well, there definitely was no video. We were just, Sully and I were just doing MP3s, you know, through the WSBT studios and pushing them up. But in any event, that's a long a fine, time. And what a fine job you've done of monetizing this property, Mike. Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, part of the reason we're going to video is because I got to recapture the cost to just do this anymore. <laughs> Um, so I got to share the story really quick. I just happened to have a big, huge presentation yesterday with Ohio State. So I log into the Zoom call and, of course, had to have a little fun with it. And so that's me with my big, huge logo, if you can see it. Nice. And then these little looks on everybody's faces as they logged <laughs> in. <laughs> like, did this guy really just do that? That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So in any event. They were good sports about it. I get to give them credit. Uh, they had some fun with it. They were teasing me like, hey, Mike, at least we didn't do the call on Monday after the game. <laughs> well, I just hope they look like that Saturday at midnight. Yeah, that would be a great. <laughs> Indeed. All right, well, let's kick into it with that. I, you know, and I think um, one of the things that, at least in my mind, I personally believe that there's two predictions that are diametrically opposed to each other. Notre Dame being number five in the nation and then Notre Dame being a 17 and a half point underdog. Which side of the fence are you on with those two predictions? Or do you well, think that they're both true? Uh, you know, I think I think probably. Um, well, let me try to answer it this way. I think there's a lot of factors that play into that. One of them is Notre Dame's performance in big games over the last 10 or 12 years. And so there's like a hangover effect going back to yeah. 2012 from Alabama, you know, going back to, you know, 20 years ago against Ohio State, you know, and, the, you know, it's just that that's part of it. I think a second piece of this is, is that sort of the if you were to ask sort of the casual sort of fan out there what they know about this Notre Dame football team, they know that they have a new coach and they know they have a new quarterback. And I think that odds makers uh, sort of probably put overemphasis on those two factors, whereas the people that are listening to this podcast know, and the three of us know, that the rest of the team, the rest of the, you know, depth chart is is pretty loaded with experience and talent and people who've played in big games and, you know, some pretty decent, uh, you know, pretty certainly the the front seven on defense and certainly the offensive line and, you know, the tight end and the, you know, there's 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 those are not new players at all and we they're kind of known quantities and we know that they're very good. Um, so I think that's another piece of this. I think a third piece of this is that, you know, you always are sort of looking at the last thing that you saw with your own eyes and Ohio state in their bowl game was, you know, they were dynamic. I mean, they, I don't know how much they threw for, but their receivers. I was like almost were, 600 yards. I think. Right, right. And their quarterback was excellent. And of course he's back. And the last thing people saw when Notre Dame played in a bowl game was the second half 
of the game against Oklahoma State, which was not inspiring um, and not, not awe-inspiring by any stretch. So I think if you put all those things into the soup, um, you get the 17-point underdog piece. Um, but I think that the people who have us preseason five, um, I'm not quite sure how we got there, <laughs> to tell you the truth, because there's a lot of others who see us just outside the top 10 or or, you know, I'm not quite sure where that com comes from. I think maybe that comes a little bit from the fact that um, that we'll probably this this will probably be, you know, that we get Clemson at home, uh, that USC is still kind of rebuilding. Um, there's there's kind of like this sort of idea that the only people that have a tough schedule are people who play in the SEC, um, you know, period. Um, and maybe it's more of a commentary on, on the other teams than it is really on, on, on Notre Dame. But I think you also have to tip your hat a little bit to, to Brian Kelly and say Notre Dame is preseason five because of the success of the program over the last four or five years. I mean, we've been in the playoff um, and have finished, you know, in the top 10 solidly um, for several years in a row. So um, I think you mix all that kind of stuff together. Um, I'm sure that that that, you know, Mike Coffey will commit Harry Carey on air anytime that I mention anything positive about Brian Kelly. But, um, but uh, I was going to say, I don't have to do anything because you're not the boss of me. So, yeah, <laughs> but these are, but the, you know, but these are his players um, yeah. that he recruited. And well, I mean, I, th I think you're right. And if I, I mean, five years in a row, 10 wins, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think Brian Kelly proved that uh, he's a guy that'll beat who he's supposed to beat. I think the knock on him was you just didn't win enough of the other games. And, and that's fair criticism. And, you know, for whatever reason, we'll find out for any. <laughs> yeah. Right. But <laughs> well, coffee, what are your, I'm kind of curious your thoughts on this game for the Marcus Freeman era. How much does it matter? Where's this going to go? What do you think it's, what the impact do you think is going to be Saturday night because of him being in his first full game as a head coach with, at least some time behind them. I think one of the few advantages you're going to get from being a 17-point underdog is that if, if, God forbid, they end up losing by three or four scores, well, that's kind of what was supposed to happen. This is an Ohio State team that is loaded on offense. They have, what, three Heisman Trophy candidates on the offensive side of the ball? And as you said, through for millions upon millions of yards. And we're supposed to get spanked. Now, I don't believe we will. I think the game's going to be a lot closer. I think if Notre Dame ends anything better than like a 14 point loss is going to be great, at least short term for Notre Dame. Notre Dame goes in there and uh, loses a, like it's it's a seven point game in the fourth quarter and Ohio State scores one or two touchdowns because the defense is just completely gassed trying to keep up with all these guys. Well, that's one thing. Uh that can be taken as a positive because, hey, they're already doing better than the pundits thought they would do. Realistically, this is just one game. I mean, it's really tough when it's against the number two team in the nation at their place. I, I really wish the Marshall and Ohio State games had been flipped because I would have liked to see him make his debut at home against a very beatable team, then worry about going to Ohio State. But I think right now, Marcus Freeman hopefully has a very long coaching career ahead of him at Notre Dame. This is going to be one game that may tell us some things, but as far as overarching, oh, he's going to be this, he's going to be that, it's, I am I am going to work very hard not to try to make those kind of proclamations because I don't think they're valid. 
Yeah, I would agree with you there. And I, I'm curious if you agree with me this. Uh, I, I kind of feel, you know, look, every every uh, every offensive coordinator scripts like the first 20 plays. I mean, it's just a given nowadays. You, you kind of go with what you're trying to set up in that in those first couple series. It's not going to surprise me at all if 15 of the first 20 plays are running plays from Notre Dame. Um, as, as much as Marcus Freeman was saying, hey, we got to stop the run, I think the the other side of that is you got to run the football because with a guy like Buckner having his first start on the road in an environment like this, I just don't see us coming out and slinging it all over the field. I kind of think that, yeah, there might be 10 running plays, 10 throwing plays, but five of those throwing plays are going to be Buckner running the football out of a throwing set. So what do you think? Am I wrong about that? Or what do you anticipate Notre Dame coming out of the block is? Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but I think that sort of what I've noticed in the past is is games that Notre Dame has been successful running the ball, sort of Tommy started the game sort of throwing to set up the run. In other words, giving the, his quarterbacks uh, some confidence and sort of getting the defense to have to think about both as opposed to just letting them kind of load up right away um, and fight fire with fire. So. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I I think that it sends a message to your football team. Um, When you talk all preseason and basically since the spring that the playbook is wide open with Tyler Buckner, that he's your guy, that he's your quarterback. Um, And then you kind of script a sort of a conservative start when you're telling your team we need to start fast. We need to start fast. Those two things don't necessarily jive. So I could see I mean, you know, I could see them taking a shot here or there. I mean, I think that you know, it's crazy not to not to try and find, you know, Michael Mayer in a seam or try to get him, you know, if you see a one-on-one matchup, I, I have to imagine that while they script, they also build things into the script where Buckner can check into, check into things based on looks that he has. And I think that Ohio State will understandably come out, you know, daring him to sort of beat them um, over the top. And uh, I think that, you know, you can you can also, you know, turn that into a big play early. So I, I hope there's no sort of preconceived notion about, you know, this is the, because those plans are always great until the game starts and you get hit in the mouth and you suddenly yeah. don't get a feel for it. Right. So yeah. I can see scripting the first series or the first couple of series or whatever, but I think Tommy Reese is smart enough to know that it's also going to be based on what he sees. And, yeah. um, and I may be completely wrong. You know, it might be just like, we're going to do this and we're going to see how it goes. And hopefully we're not too far behind when that script <laughs> runs out. Um, you <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, I think you're right about, I mean, I, look, I, uh, coffee, I, I, I'm sure there's some checks where if they see mayor in a one-on-one where he's not going to be doubled up, maybe they do go to him. There's going to be some of that, I'm sure. But uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, coffee, what are your thoughts on, Buckner being named the starter. Are we going to see Pine? Is there anything behind that? Do you think there's any reasoning as to why it's Buckner other than the fact that he's the he's the guy? Well, I think he has he has more experience, obviously. But I think also if you looked at the way the offense was able to move the ball when he played last year, there was so much more flexibility, so much more ability to get to, to be multidimensional. It's you don't want the, the defense thinking on almost every play, okay, it's gonna be a pass, it's gonna be a pass. That's what happened in the second half of the uh the Fiesta Bowl. Or and I was really kind of hoping to see Tyler Buckner in there to give us a little bit more of a look. You put Tyler Buckner in there, 
the linebackers can't immediately say, okay, I'm going to rush because I've got guys behind me who can handle the pass. If they have to be, if they have to account for his feet, if they have to allow for the fact that if he gets out of containment, he can pick up a lot of yards, that is only going to help this offense. I was really glad that they made that decision early to say, okay, Tyler Buckner is going to get the number one reps and he's going to get it early in camp to make sure that when we go to Ohio State, he's going to be ready to go. Now, if he doesn't perform well, something happens and they have to go to Pine, okay, well, Buckner's been given his chance to, his, his time to shine. Then you see what Drew Pine can do. Maybe you see what Steve Angeli can do. It's, but I, I think establishing a hierarchy from the beginning is very, very important because you want to make sure that the rest of the team know who, knows who the leader is. That's Tyler Buckner. If for whatever reason he can't get the job done after he's been given a chance to do it, okay, if they got to move on, they have to move on. But they made a decision from the get-go, established the hierarchy, and they will work through it. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. You know, and, uh, I thought you made a good point earlier just about, you know, if you're a fan of Notre Dame, you kind of do know the other talent that we have on the team. And most people that are casual observers aren't going to know that. There are some concerns, though, at, at DB, just in terms of us matching up with them and the elite wide receivers that they got. Do you think that's going to play out? Or do you think there's concern there? Or do you think we're going to be kind of a bend but don't break? And, you know, we're going to make them earn it with dink and dumps the whole entire game. You know, I don't know, but that's certainly how I would play it, right? I mean, you've got, you know, we need a, we need sort of a good old fashioned kind of, you know, Bob Diaco sort of uh, uh, approach because, you know, big plays, big plays are game wreckers and they create momentum and they create confidence for the other team. Um, to me, the biggest thing is third down. Um, it seems when we have success as a defense, we play well on third down and we get off the field, or at least more than 50% of the time, you know, we are, uh, we're forcing a fourth down decision by the other team. Um, so listen, Cam Hart's a big dude. Clarence Lewis is a pretty big dude. You know, Tariq Bracey, by all accounts, is is playing well. Certainly has a lot of experience. I think that helps. Maybe there are some things that they can do. It's a relatively young wide receiving core for for Ohio State. Um, yeah, that's you know, true. Maybe right. And and of course, of, of course, you know the the best way to help those guys out is to make the quarterback uncomfortable. You know, is to get to him um, or you know mix up mix up some pressures. You know, Foskey has to have a huge game. He has to be a real problem. Um, you know, to you know they've got a couple very young running backs. You know, maybe they'll miss an assignment. Not everybody is Kyron Williams when it comes to pass pro. So, you know, it's it's got to be a real team effort. But you're right. Is, is it the strength of the defense? You know, no. But between Hart, Bracey, Joseph, um, you know, those are guys that have played an awful lot of football. Um, and you just hope that that experience um, sort of helps them avoid the big play, kind of keep the ball in front of them on third downs and make some make some plays on third down. Um Notre Dame's going to have to score minimum, minimum four touchdowns to win, right? Um, I think um, absolute minimum, probably five or six. So, uh, so you can't expect sort of some kind of a crazy, you know, crazy sort of dominating performance from the defense. But what you can do, you know, is 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 if their chunk plays, you know, third downs are kept sort of reasonable, then you know that that's a that's a formula that I think can can keep Notre Dame around for for three and a half, four quarters. Yeah. 
you know, uh, coffee, it, it's um, Notre Dame traditionally in big, huge games like this has kind of started out a little flat footed, at least historically over the last, you know, 20 years. Um, that that wasn't the case in the Fiesta Bowl last year. Do you think that carries over? I mean, do you think uh, is Marcus Freeman the kind of guy that generates that much uh energy that we come out in the first quarter and maybe at the end of the first quarter it's a different story than what people are expecting you can't afford to be analytical as notre dame's head coach i mean yeah analysis factors into it but you can't approach games like business trips and stuff like that to an extent i think there has to be some emotion because everyone notre dame plays is going to have emotion this is a big game for you're either playing in a huge game on national television or you've got a team that doesn't usually come to South Bend and they're here, they're fired up, they're ready to go. If you come out clinically and say, okay, we're going to put our heads down and we're going to do it, it's not going to work. You have to have an energy. You have to be able to say, we are going to come out, we're going to attack, and we are going to match you as far as just, I know I keep using the word energy, but we're, we're going to, we are going to match you in enthusiasm. We're going to match you just in intensity and power and, we're just going to take it to you. If Notre Dame goes into Ohio State and they're intimidated at all, or is it, well, we're, we're going to be unemotional. We're going to, you got to be emotional. I mean, granted, you don't want the emotion to be fear, but I, there's no chance that's going to happen. Notre Dame is going to go in there, I think, and they're going to be, they're, I think they're going to leave it all on the field, which yeah. again, I'm, I'm a cliche machine today, but I, <laughs> I, think, I think they're energized. I think they're fired up. I think the, the, the fact that no one is giving them a chance is really pissing them off. And I could see a very energized performance. And like I said, I, I am going to rate this game in the broader picture by what the score is at the end of the third quarter. Because if we get into the fourth quarter, as I said before, and 45 minutes of trying to cover three Heisman Trophy winners just has the defense burned out, I mean, how that's going to happen. I think Marcus Freeman needs another one or two years of the kind of recruiting classes he's bringing in to get the kind of depth where that where we can be yeah. confident that won't be a problem. Yep. So yeah. if we go into the fourth quarter and it's, let's say, 24 to 17 or 24, 21 or something like that, I am going to deem this game to be incredibly successful because that tells me Notre Dame was able to match the other team's intensity. They had a good game plan and either they were, able, as Ed said, they were able to limit the potential of Ohio State's offense or they were able to put together good offensive drives of their own six seven minute drives to just chew up clock and keep those heisman trophy candidates off the field yeah no i i think they will i think there's going to be some great emotion and i, I think he's going to have them ready to play coming that especially in that environment it's going to be intense all right ed i'll let you start first in, in terms of predictions but with your prediction give me what you think buckner's going to end up doing stat wise oh gosh um you know, one thing about the first game of the year is there's a lot of, you know, you just don't know. I mean, one of the things that we haven't talked about that does sort of that sort of interest me is um, is special teams. You know, we we always we always sort of don't. Well, the transfer about. portal helped us there. Well, we hope. You know, we're not sure. Um, True. You know, uh, you know, we we lost some things. Um, it sounds like. Um, you know, it's, it's really encouraging if we've got somebody who could put the ball, you know, off the tee, um, you know, into the end zone 80 percent of the time, which I yeah. read somewhere. I mean, yeah. that's a big thing. You know, if you make Ohio State start on their own 25 every time, 
that's important. Uh, of course, that's assumed that assume that we're kicking off <laughs> every so often, <laughs> um, you know. Um, and I think you know punting will be important. You know, if they come out fired up and kind of, you know, kind of uh, crack our code for the first couple of series before we before Buckner kind of gets into a groove, uh, you know, you need to really sort of you know um, you gotta you know keep them. Obviously, they have they have talent all over the field, right? So they're going to have good returners. They're going to have you know, good special teams play. So I think special teams is, is really important because if it comes down to a kick or two, which of course we all hope it does, um, that's a little bit of a wild card, right? Um, I do like the fact that the kid that's going to place kick for us um, has placed kicked in football games before, in college football games before. You know, he's kind of a, he, right. he's been around the block. Now, granted, it wasn't at this level with this kind of pressure on, you know, national television on a Saturday night, but still I think game pressure is game pressure to a certain extent for specialists. And I'm glad he's had some. Um, so I'm avoiding your question. I, you know, listen, I'm kind of I, I, I really agree with 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 my coffee on this. I think if, if Tyler Buckner comes out and looks like a college quarterback, you know, doesn't look like a deer in the headlights, um, you know, throws a nice ball, doesn't appear to be to be scattershot in terms of uh, his, uh, you know, his throws, um, you know, protects the ball. You know, doesn't put himself. He's got to be smart too. He can't put himself, you know, subject himself to just a lot of big hits. Um, you know, he's got to play like a guy who wants to play the whole season. You know, not like a guy who's uh, who's just you know running around like Johnny Manziel out there. Um, so, um, although I would take that, I guess, for Saturday night. Um, so I'll say I'll say Buckner's going to be, you know, twenty for thirty-four. Uh, you know, with two touchdowns and just one interception. But I'm going to say that he's going to throw for over 300 yards because I think the thing that he'll do is he'll create some some plays. So his accuracy, I think, will still be something that needs to be worked on. But I think that those 20 uh, completions will have a pretty high, um, uh, a pretty high average uh, play um, statistic. Um, you know, I'd love to say that that Notre Dame can can make this a game. I, I think that 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 Coffee probably hits it right, like where we will play with a high level of of energy and intensity, and just sort of uh, their their sort of athletic advantages, especially um, you know outside the lines or outside the hashes, will kind of get to us finally, you know, in the fourth quarter, and we'll. We'll we'll blow a couple plays, or we'll blow a coverage, or we'll we'll somebody will just run right past us. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say 35. I'm going to say 35-26, um, but that we're not uh, we're not completely bummed out um, Sunday morning at all. Yeah, there you go. Coffee, what do you think? I've got 31 to 28 in our site prediction contest. I've been kind of noodling that over the last couple of days. On the Notre Dame side, I might be willing to go down to 24. Uh, I think Tyler Buckner is going to do relatively well. I could see him like just being the inexperienced guy that he is. Uh, I could see him throwing like a fourth quarter pick that might keep us from keeping keep us from a win. I hate to kind of put all that on his shoulders. I'm very much curious to see what he's going to look like given like a starting position and a full off season of reps. But I, I think th- I'm well, 31, 28, uh, Ohio state. I'm going to stick with that. I, I'll take that all day long. Oh, absolutely. If we get, if we get that. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I've got a 38, 28 and I think, 
I think there's going to be some sort of controversial play too that's going to go against us, and so I think that'll help to to justify there that ten there's point. The, there's yeah, the grammar, there's the there's, I know there's a prediction. Let's, let's so I'll be sure looking for that. I'll text you guys as soon as it happens. You'll get a text from me. That's the play I'm talking about. Um, That's what I, I we know think Notre Buckner, Dame football is back when we spend the next show talking about the refs the whole time. I love yep. it. Won't that be think, I think he's going to play well. I do. I, I saw his press conference. I thought he handled himself pretty well. I, I liked what he said. I don't listen to music. You know, I just get out there and I'm calm. I'm thinking about the game. I don't like to be distracted with earphones on and music blaring in my ears. Um, so I. But I, I I agree with you, Coffee. I think it's just a big, huge ask for a guy to go on the road, his first collegiate start, and for something not to go wrong, you're going to run into that. I think he's going to throw a pick. Um, but I think he's going to probably be more like 220 yards in the air. But I think he might have, you know, 75 to 90 yards running the football. And uh, and I think that'll be something that keeps us tight in the game. But, yeah, I think 38-28 is what we're going to be looking at when it's all said and done a little bit too much to overcome in that environment. And, uh, and of course, some sort of controversial call, which I'll, I'll predict. But anyways, let's hope it doesn't come out of that. I, I'd love to have a game uh, show on Monday and not bring up the refs once. <laughs> and hopefully talking about a Notre Dame win, that'd be even better. I think what's also going to be very interesting, which we haven't talked about at all, is is that you know there will be at least probably a couple pretty important uh, in-game decisions that Marcus Freeman is going to have to make. And, you know, we've talked about this before, how he sort of looked like a fish out of water on the sidelines a little bit in the Oklahoma State game. Um, he's obviously more comfortable uh, being the head football coach at Notre Dame now. But, um, you know, he's he's going from the frying pan into the uh, into the fryer. So or from the whatever that stupid uh, <laughs> cliche is, um, he's going from the frying pan into the fire. Excuse me. Yeah. There we go. Um and so this is, you know, this is this is a big this is a big deal because these games tend to have some, in the same way that they have some controversial calls, they also have some pretty um, important decisions made by head coaches. Um, yeah. And you know, we'll see how prepared he is and how 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 ready he is, um, because all eyes are going to be on him. You know, this is this is, I mean, besides all the Ohio State stuff, I mean, you know, he is in a way, it's really good, I think, for his players. Mike, I think, sort of alluded to this, right? He is sucking up all the oxygen in the room when it comes to sort of the media attention for this game. Yeah, which you know, is the great. Features, yeah. Right. The features are all about him. The Ohio yep. State connections, you know, all that stuff. And that's good. Right. Because people aren't obsessing about, you know, they're not obsessing about um, the guys that are actually going to play the game. They're obsessing about um, the young, um, you know, sexy um, new head coach. So that's good. Um, now, let's see. Um, let's see what he does when uh, when there's a critical moment in the game. Yep. No doubt. All right, let's hope for a miracle and we'll see something, <laughs> um, something we haven't seen in a while. <laughs> that, Absolutely. I, it probably would be the biggest win in the last 20 years. I'm trying to think this through, like what other win would be bigger, but probably in the last 20 years, this is it. Um, on the road, say. number two, 17 and a half down. I don't, I I don't know. Go back, I'd go back further. I think you can, you can make a, you know, 93. Uh, no. You know, Texas A&M in the in the bowl game, I probably no, not even. I, I don't know about I mean, that. When you when you when you have, I mean, I think like Mike Coffee said, I mean, it's the it's the point spread that really makes this the yeah, potential for, sure. for yeah. right. I mean, you know, this isn't Notre Dame, Florida State. You know, this isn't Notre Dame, yeah. you know, USC one and two at the end of the year. This is this isn't even Notre Dame, Miami in '88. I mean, this is right. a little different, right? These are this is a now again, 
you 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 kicked off the show saying the right thing. Like, how how is this possible if Notre Dame's preseason number five? So I guess that tempers it a little bit. But certainly, certainly post Holtz, this would be the biggest victory for yeah, I would agree. Football, I think. So. I think. Yeah. All right, great. We'll leave it there. You've been listening to Dome and Domer, the oldest Notre Dame football podcast <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> for Ed Jordanic and Mike Coffee, I'm Mike Brammer. Thanks for listening.